This is How on Earth, KGNU's Science Show. I'm Jill Shaw. Today is Tuesday, August 6th, 2020. Coming up, we have part two of the shale revolution, Weld County's Golden Goose. Last week, we looked at the shale industry's finances. This week, we look at the environmental issues. We hear about front range air quality and well setbacks. But what is the fuss about? Let's listen to what has atmospheric scientists most concerned. It's a state where you can ski the Rockies, smoke legal weed, and evidently live your life right next to a fracking site. But how close is too close? Well, Desi Lydic reports. That was Comedy Central's Trevor Noah in January 2019, reporting on the well setbacks in Colorado. In this episode, Desi Lydic takes a trip to the Bella Romero School, located east of Greeley, in the heart of Weld County. Desi stands outside the school, looks at a 24-well pad that sits 1,300 feet from the school building and less than 900 feet from the school grounds. Wow, that's fracked. Colorado, I love how chill you are, but with this, you're being way too chill. (laughs) Desi Lydic builds the joke, pointing out that the 24-well pad was originally slated for a different school, Frontier Academy. Parents at Frontier protested having this well pad near their school, so it was moved to the Bella Romero location. Frontier students are majority white. Bella Romero students are majority Hispanic, with 90% of its students eligible for free or reduced lunch. This school was also featured in the New York Times in 2018. Last November, the state's mobile lab detected benzene at the school. Good evening. The state investigating now after high levels of benzene were found at an elementary school in Greeley. Uh, Karen, this is the Bella Romero Academy, the fourth to sixth grade campus. And right behind here is a sizable oil production facility. Now the state health department has found levels of the chemical benzene during one 45-minute period that are above federal guidelines. These levels were measured as 14.7 parts per billion last November, which exceeded the federal short-term health impacts guideline of nine parts per billion. The Bella Romero news story packed a punch. You have benzene, a known carcinogen, a 24-well pad that's hydraulically fractured, right next to a school, and accusations of environmental racism. On top of all that, The 24-well pad belongs to Extraction Oil & Gas, a company that has filed for bankruptcy last June, largely because of the $1.7 billion it has in long-term debt. In part one of the shale revolution, we looked at the finance of the shale industry, both from the Wall Street and Colorado perspectives. In part two, we unpack some of these environmental issues, particularly what has atmospheric scientists concerned about emissions from the oil and natural gas industry along the Front Range. We'll focus on three of the biggest concerns, benzene, methane, and ozone. We hear a lot about well setbacks, 
Here's a quick summary of Colorado's guidelines. The current setback for oil and natural gas wells is 200 feet statewide, but 500 feet in more heavily settled residential areas. It's 1,000 feet from schools. In 2018, Colorado voters rejected a ballot proposal that would have imposed 2,500 foot setbacks. In 2019, Senate Bill 181 passed. This mandates an overhaul of oil and gas rules and requires that the public's welfare be prioritized. Last week in part one, when we looked at the shale industry's business model, we learned that hydraulically fractured wells decline after the first year. They produce much less oil and gas in the second and third years than in the first year. This means that companies must keep drilling new wells to maintain production and cover their expenses on the prior wells that they've drilled. Investors call this the shale treadmill. Well setbacks are a hotly contested issue because they limit the areas in which a company can drill. This affects the industry's bottom line. Likewise, in a hot real estate market, such as in Weld County, new home builders need new land to build on, and well setbacks limit the land that they can develop near existing wells. Remember, Well County has 19,858 active oil and natural gas wells in a space of a little over 4,000 square miles. Still, we have Senate Bill 181 that requires health effects to be prioritized. And when it comes to health effects, the most common complaint from residents living near wells is dizziness, nosebleeds, and headaches. A preliminary study of oil gas extraction in Colorado found that proximity to wells was associated with birth weight reductions and premature births. A 2017 study from CU School of Public Health showed that children and young adults between the ages of 5 and 24 with certain types of leukemia were 4.3 times more likely to live in an area dense with active oil and gas wells. Next up is benzene. Benzene is a very well-known carcinogen. The World Health Organization says that there's no safe level of benzene that can be recommended. The California Air Resources Board gives a threshold value for continuous long-term exposure to be one part per billion, while the ATSDR minimum risk levels for benzene are three parts per billion for longer than a year, but nine parts per billion for less than 14 days. The Bella Romero episode levels were over 14 parts per billion for a 45-minute period. How is benzene released? With hydraulic fracturing, the production phase of a well is when the fracking fluid, along with oil and gas, comes up to the wellhead. The fluid is processed or stored with equipment that may even be off-site. So this whole phase has the potential to emit higher concentrations of pollutants, including benzene. Average benzene levels at the Boulder Reservoir between 2017 and January 18 were 0.13 parts per billion which is about the same as ambient benzene levels in Denver around the year 2000. Data was recently presented to the Longmont City Council and Erie Town Board that showed brief episodes of benzene at Union Lake Reservoir to be between 1 and 10 parts per billion last spring. But the average benzene levels are typically far below that. To give you a sense of benzene levels and how they compare, in Los Angeles, which is a very well-studied city, Benzene levels have been below 0.5 parts per billion since the turn of the century. But historically, which means 50 years ago, during the 1960s, 
benzene levels were much higher, between 17 and 18 parts per billion. So why were benzene levels so high back then? Well, we didn't have the vehicle emission standards we have now. We have catalytic converters in our cars now. And benzene has been removed from gasoline and many other products. Benzene levels in LA continue to decrease. But what about Weld County? What are the benzene levels? There have been occasional sampling events in Weld County that have shown very high benzene levels. A 2017 NCAR report summarizes collected benzene samples near Platteville, east of Longmont, that showed a benzene concentration of 120 parts per billion near a well for produced water disposal. Benzene levels ranging from 30 to 60 parts per billion were also detected near an oil well waste dumping and compressor facility near Platteville. So there are some examples when very high benzene levels have been detected in Weld County. But what are the average benzene levels in Weld County? We just don't know. Better air monitoring in the middle of Weld County is needed and is hopefully something that Senate Bill 181 will address. If you're just tuning in, this is How on Earth KGNU's Science Show on the shale revolution, Weld County's Golden Goose. I'm Jill Shaw. Next up is methane. Natural gas is mostly methane, 85 to 95%. In hydraulically fractured wells, such as those in Weld County, that are more oil producing than gas, gas is sometimes a byproduct. Flaring is widely used to dispose of natural gas in places where it's not easily captured or transported. But even for natural gas wells, methane is vented as part of the operations all along the chain. Methane has several problems. First, it's an explosion or fire hazard. So schools located close to well pads need special evacuation plans. In fact, there was an explosion and fire at one extraction oil and gases oil well site near Windsor in 2017. But as a pollutant, methane has two problems. First, it is a potent greenhouse gas. Methane can trap 86 times more heat than carbon dioxide by weight. Methane, along with other volatile emissions, is also a precursor to ozone. Methane releases from oil and natural gas operations are a much bigger problem than was originally thought. NOAA researchers have found high level of methane leaks, as well as benzene, over oil and gas drilling areas in Colorado. Infrared cameras reveal that well pads emit considerably more methane and VOCs than what has been accounted for in inventories. The recent documentary, Ice on Fire, has some great footage of the methane coming off of Colorado in the Four Corners region. Other sources of methane include microbes, livestock, landfills, and biomass burning. It has also evolved when permafrost thaws. It is estimated that one-third of the climate warming to date is attributed to methane that has been added to the atmosphere by humans. Colorado has set ambitious goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, including methane, but the state has struggled with its methane data, especially in Weld County. How does the state monitor the methane in Weld County? The state collects air in a canister for a three-hour period on the roof of the Platteville Middle School. These flasks are collected every six days. The state then updates their website with the data once per year. And these data are not always accurate. Last December, CPR reported that the methane data collected by the state's laboratory was inaccurate 
grossly underreporting the methane levels for mid-2017 to 2018. Colorado's background methane levels are 1,900 parts per billion. At the South Pole, which has the cleanest air on Earth, methane levels annually hover around 1,800 parts per billion. But in Platteville, in the middle of Colorado's oil and gas country, methane samples were reported to be as low as 1,090 parts per billion, less than what you'd find in Antarctica. This, of course, is impossible. Gabrielle Petron, an atmospheric researcher who works for the Cooperative Institute for Research and Environmental Studies, caught the error and spoke to CPR. We had data for methane measurements that were much lower than the cleanest place on Earth, and that was not realistic. The errors in methane measurements cast doubt on all of the measurements during this time, since the benzene measurements are made from the same canister and the same contractor. CPR ran several stories on this mishap, including how this came to be. The state spends about $84,000 annually to send air canisters to a California company every six days for analysis of methane and VOCs, including benzene. Because of how state projects are funded, CDPHE went with the least expensive contractor. To put the $80,000 number into context, the state receives a billion dollars in, sta in state taxes every year from the oil and natural gas industry. Meanwhile, the Front Range is known for having very deep expertise in atmospheric measurements and chemistry. We have many scientists from NOAA and NCAR who make sophisticated measurements all over the world. We have companies here who make sensors to make atmospheric measurements in the middle of hurricanes, and even on Mars. But when it comes to measuring our own air in the middle of Weld County, with over 19,000 active oil and gas wells, we're sending canisters to California to the lowest bidder. And the public gets its results back once per year, and these results have sometimes been very wrong. Some front-range cities are stepping up and taking the matter of air monitoring into their own hands. These cities include Boulder, Longmont, and Broomfield. Here to talk to us about these efforts is Detlev Helmig, an atmosphere chemist who runs Boulder Air. Detlev Helmig, thank you for talking with us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me here. Can you describe for listeners what type of air monitoring you conduct for our region? Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to do so. So we're currently operating five monitoring stations, um, and these are at the Boulder Reservoir, there's one at the Longmont Municipal Airport, another one in Longmont at the Union Reservoir, and then there are two sites in Broomfield, one at Broomfield Soaring Eagle Park, and then another one at the Broomfield Livingston Pad, so that's very near to the extraction Livingston Well Pad. At those sites, we're monitoring a whole range of atmospheric constituents or pollutants. Uh, most of these are con of concern for air quality, but also for um, climate change. Um, so these include methane, CO2, and then pollutants um, such as ozone, nitrogen oxides, volatile organic compounds. Um, they're often called VOCs, abbreviated, and that's a whole series of individual species, but also air toxics, so those are human carcinogens. And then we're also monitoring hydrogen sulfide and particles. You sometimes see those as PM2.5 or PM10, where the numbers um, give you the size of the particles. So we're monitoring um, those as well as uh, two of the stations. 
How does that differ from the monitoring conducted right in Weld County, where most of these, or in the middle of Weld County, I should say, where most of the oil and, nas- oil and natural gas drilling takes place? Yeah, just f- for, for clarification, at one of the stations we're currently operating at the Longmont Union Reservoir, it's actually, it is within Weld County. That's true, but but if you look at a map, it's on the very outskirts of Weld County. And if you look at a map of where the, the oil and natural gas wells are located. That's cor- Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the middle of the action. So as far as I know, there are currently two sites in Weld County with continuing continuous ozone monitoring, and that's done at Platteville and in Greeley. And then the state is collecting what is called canister samples. And the last I heard is that that's um, one sample that's collected every six days at Platteville. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much it. So, and, and that, so that, that compares, you know, with us doing 20 to 25 VOC samples every day at um, four sites now. So that's 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 eighty. Um, that's that's five, six, seven hundred samples a week um, here in in Boulder County, Broomfield County, versus one sample in in Weld County every week. So you know we are definitely having a much higher sample frequency. We're having more more stations that are being operated, and we're measuring much larger range of um, atmospheric constituents here in in Boulder and in in Broomfield counties. If one looks at the continuous air monitoring that Boulder um, conducts, if you look at on your website, boulder.com, and you follow the VOCs, if you follow benzene or you follow toluene or any of them, you see that there are these very sharp spikes. I wonder how sampling from a canister can even come close to understanding the VOCs. Um, yeah, so this is this is um, very a good observation. <laughs> Mostly during this, the late winter, we noticed uh, that's you know right after we started the monitoring in in, in Longmont, we noticed a rather high frequency of events where methane would bump up, but by factor two, three, five, even ten in the most extreme cases. And that's that's pretty remarkable given the relatively high, roughly two parts per million background of methane that there is already. Interestingly, these spikes were relatively short most times, lasting a few to maybe 15, 20 minutes. And we also saw similar behavior with some of the VOCs, mostly the um, petroleum hydrocarbons. So that includes ethane, propane, butane isomers. Um, There we saw levels up to 200 to 300 times the regional background. But this then changed dramatically during April when these spikes became less frequent and also... um, observed maximum concentrations dropped very significantly to where they're now much more in line with what we observed at the other monitoring sites in um, Boulder County and near Broomfield. Can you describe to listeners how you're able to distinguish between different pollution sources? So how is someone who's monitoring air quality able to tell whether the air pollution originates from vehicles or from indus- various industries, or from oil natural gas extraction. Yeah, I'd love to, because this is this is the fun part of our work. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like doing a crossword puzzle, and and this now builds on oh more than fifteen years of research that's been done in the field of of air pollution and atmospheric science. So we have a lot 
a lot over those years and assembled a pretty good tool chest to differentiate pollution sources. Um, this builds a lot on what we call tracers. So these are pollutants that are characteristic for specific sources. For instance, ethane and propane, they are tracers for oil and gas emissions. So by tracers, you mean that they aren't found elsewhere, or you, you know that those are uniquely associated with? Yeah, that's what we're looking for. You know, tracers, you know, tracers, which is yeah, compounds that are predominantly released by um, one type of emissions category. So that's which allows us to use those then as tracers. Acetylene is another one that's a byproduct of combustion. And that can be used to identify, you know, any any process where fuel is burned, such as from automobiles, flaring, carbon monoxide is another good tracer for combustions. And then we often use ratios between two compounds. For instance, if you see methane but no ethane in a plume, then that's likely from some sort of biogenic source, such as a landfill, wastewater, cows, um, because they don't release ethane. But then if methane shows a good correlation with ethane, um, then you pretty much know that this is from a natural gas source, as any of those biogenic methane sources wouldn't really release that. Okay, so eth methane is the real concern because it's a greenhouse, it's a potent greenhouse gas, but, but it may come from several sources. But ethane is the tracer. So if you see a lot of ethane with the methane, then you can figure out that the methane source is likely from oil and natural gas. Exactly. Okay. The last pollutant we consider is ozone. Ozone is what forms when hydrocarbons react with nitrogen oxides in the presence of sunlight. So it's a secondary pollutant. The concern with ozone is that it's a strong oxidant. The levels in the atmosphere here in the front range are significantly higher than what is considered to be the natural background. Ozone is a concern to both human health and vegetation. Ozone damages lung tissue and irritates the respiratory system. There is stress to everyone with high ozone levels, but especially parts of the population most susceptible, such as the elderly, younger people, people who spend a lot of time outside and exercise a lot. It's a major stress to vegetation. Elevated ozone levels reduce the growth of plants, including natural vegetation and agricultural crops. This reduces yields. The main precursors to ozone are nitrogen oxides and volatile organic chemicals. Nitrogen oxides come from urban areas, traffic, and even power plants. Volatile organics come from a wide variety of different sources, but the big sources here include oil and natural gas emissions, those are the petroleum hydrocarbons. We also get VOCs from traffic and even consumer products. All combined, they contribute to ozone when there is an abundant level of sunshine. You need the solar irradiance to trigger that photochemical reaction. You can see the ozone levels in real time at boldair.com. That concludes our inquiry of the pollutants and greenhouse gases that have atmospheric scientists along the front range most concerned. I have learned that the issues with hydraulic fracturing in Weld County are a lot more complicated than I ever knew before I got into this subject. Both the finances and environmental issues intersect in more ways than I expected. 
There are, of course, many other environmental issues that we did not cover, such as how this has the potential to contaminate groundwater, or how, when processed water is injected deep into wells, it is removed from our hydrogeologic cycle. Also, deeply injected water can cause earthquakes in some parts of the country. There is also the potential for radioactive material to be brought up from deep inside the earth to the surface, which has happened in other parts of the country. And with fracking companies struggling to get by, how much will the cleanup costs be for our state? Just as we can't predict the price of oil, we cannot predict where this industry is going. But hopefully we can describe and understand some of the financial and env environmental forces that are at play. If you're interested in tracking front-range air quality in real time, you can go to www.boldair.com, B-O-U-L-D-A-I-R.com, backslash, N-O-C-O, frontrange.htm. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. This week's show was produced and hosted by myself, Jill Shong. Our executive producer is Susan Moran, and engineer is Maeve Conran. We thank Detlef Helmig, owner of Boulder Air, for his important research into front-range air quality. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler, additional music from Remco's Groove Lab, and met Kevin McLeod at Creative Commons. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Jill Shaw.